Hello, I'm Steph. And I'm Al. And this is The Source, a podcast from Chicken and Chips Casting. conversations with people we love, talking about things we love and hate or feel strong feelings about. And it's all no BS. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm bloody great, thanks. How are you? that's good. Also great, thank you. That's good, yeah. What a positive time. I know. I'm feeling very, um, I think something's shifted in the last week or two maybe. Really? Yeah. Just because, you know, things are starting to, there's a goal, there's, oh. a, there's a bright light at the end of the tunnel I can see now. Yeah, so okay. it's good. Interesting. It makes me feel very much like I'm out of my um, rut of demotivation. Oh, okay. That's, good. That's good. See, I feel like even with the bright light, sometimes I still get into that. I was saying the other day to someone, I feel like I'm at the point of if you were doing a marathon, I'm at the uphill bit. Oh. Like, why this feels like I'm an, I was like I was sort of like on a flat for a really long time and now I'm like now now I've hit an uphill of like oh. down. I'm like get me the hell out right oh yeah. so you're just at the point where you're over it well I'm just like yeah it feels like it's the slog now now oh, it's okay. the slog it's that time that you you know when you fall asleep on a long haul flight and it, you wake up and you still have seven hours to go. And you're hungover from the 45 yeah. gin and tonics that you drank. <laughs> exactly that. That's where I feel like I'm at and I'm like, oh, it's still ah. so hard. Like, it, yeah, anyway. Oh, okay. See, I've, I'm on, like, I'm doing the downhill. You're I'm on the, the count, countdown downhill. Yeah. I think I should be, like, with the news lately. I think I should be. But it's, I don't know, maybe I was just a bit delayed in my response to lockdown. <laughs> yes. Maybe. Anyway. Um, What's your source? Oh, well, my source is that I got two new nephews this week. Ah! Um, Little identical boys. (gasps) Um, Yeah, they came on Tuesday morning, bright and early. um, And it's just been the light of my week. I haven't been able to meet them, obviously of COVID and they are premature so they'll be in hospital for a while which is a bummer but I'm just obsessed with all the things and the photos and their tiny little faces so that's no. been a really yeah that's so what are their names Felix and Ezra <gasps> cute I love it yeah yeah and they are teeny tiny oh well that's a great source yeah what's your source um uh, mine is not as exciting as that that's uh. a very exciting um, introduction to the world. Um, uh, mine is just that I actually it sounds really dumb now in comparison to that. Um, <laughs> mine is just that my B and T award arrived this week on Sunday. The post came on a Sunday. How random! Oh, I got post on a Sunday. Yeah, COVID is just like giving yeah. all the things. Um, so yeah, on Sunday at like five p.m., I got a package and it was my trophy. How nice. I should have bought it. Did you bring it into the office? No, I forgot. It's on my bookshelf. Oh, Oh, well, at least while you're at home, you can admire it. Yeah, I'm going to just look at it. Anyway, everyone knows I love a trophy. Um, Yeah, you do love a trophy. I do love a trophy. I love that. Yeah, so I. Yeah, good. Yes, no doubt I will probably um, 
shamelessly plug that on social media at some point. I think you should. Um, but yeah, so that was my that was my little source of the week. It was that's a nice little delivery. Yeah, week. yeah. And it just reminded me that um, you know we won something in COVID. <laughs> yeah, that is a little you little know? light to them to the dark times. It's a nice little cherry yeah. on the melted Sunday. <laughs> yeah, the shitty soiled Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Right, well, they're actually two good sources. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'm happy with that too. Hopefully our sources will get um, uh, exponentially, yeah, much more saucy once we can, like, you know, get out in the real world. Do things. Yeah. Well, I reckon our guest today is going to be quite saucy. Yes. uh, I think this is going to be a great uh, chat with a very renowned acting coach someone who we've admired for a really long time and we love and mm-hmm. every actor that comes into our studio that has trained with his studio in Sydney, we can just tell. Mm. We know that they've trained mm. under this under this person. So, um, yeah, this should be really interesting. And it's our first international guest. Yeah. Speaking to him from across the pond. Yes, it's stateside. So that should yeah. be fun. This episode of The Source is brought to you by We Audition. We are big fans of this platform and we plug it relentlessly in workshops and with actors. We hear so often actors can't find a scene partner for their audition and this is the immediate solution. It's a global platform that helps you find a scene partner on demand through video chat for rehearsals and self-tapes worldwide. So if you need an accent or just decide to tape at 2am, We Audition is where you'll find someone. It also enables actors to meet casting directors, agents, and industry experts for one-on-ones through video chat. Sign up for a membership to access actors and industry professionals all around the world. You could also be a reader for other actors, which is a great way to continue practicing and playing with scenes. We're offering our listeners a 25% discount on your membership when you use the code SOURCE25. That's S-A-U-C-E-2-5. Head to weaudition.com to sign up. Source 25 for your discount. Now in its 24th year, Anthony Mindel founded Anthony Mindel's Actor Workshop in order to share his unique approach to the work. With studios in nine cities across four continents, his philosophy has seen AMAW alumni gain international recognition. He's known for coaching such stars as two-time Golden Globe nominee Shailene Woodley, Big Little Lies, Marvel franchise favourite Pom Clementife, Mission Impossible 7, Netflix's breakout stars Phoebe Denova, Bridgerton, and Brianne Howie, Ginny and Georgia, pop sensation star of Cinderella, Camila Cabello, and hundreds of others. Welcome to The Source. Hi. It's so saucy already. So saucy. (laughs) It's always saucy here. I miss all my Aussie friends, and I can't wait to come back and hug everybody in person. I know. I know people have been going through a hard challenge, but I know you're going to get through it, you know, and uh, am I supposed to just go right into my sauce of the week? Oh, yes. Why not? What's your sauce of the week? Well, I think I kind of just maybe 
intuitively hit on that, right? Like I think sometimes we uh, as human beings and living in a culture that's always about like, I don't know, achievement and being number one and like perfection and also social media doesn't help any of these things. I think we forget that the like the breakdown and the conflict and the challenges that we face is an essential part of creativity. It's an essential part of making you you. And, you know, the older I get, not that I'm like, come on, bring it problems. But (laughs) I actually am really, really starting to enjoy the perplexing stuff that I face, both personally, and also, I think, you know, socially or culturally, or whatever it is that we're up against, because I think inherently within that thing is the solution. And I think it's so beautifully orchestrated that the solutions to all the things that we're facing in life are, you know, they are embedded in the thing. So to me, the thing, the, the, the benediction is just to not look away. Like we can't look away, you know, whether it's climate change or the social justice movement or, you know, whatever it is that we're facing at a, at a, you know, granular level or at a bigger level, if we're just brave enough to take a breath and look at the stuff that we're contending with, a solution will appear. So Mm. I think that's kind of my sauce and has been something that I'm working on a new book that's, it's kind of, the book is done, but it's kind of based on these kind of philosophies. So yeah, that's my takeaway, I think. I love that. I think that that is very, it's very in tune to what we were talking about before we started with us opening back up. Next right. week, it's like that. At the moment, I see it as a big, not a problem, but as like a something to overcome. Whereas now, it's like just face it, and it'll be right. We'll get there. Yeah, I, face it. I'm intrigued about what's going to happen. Mm. So, yeah, I think um, I've been doing this uh, psycholo- I think it's a psychologist's um, uh, experiment or, you know, working on yourself kind of thing um, in terms of looking at things with curiosity mm. rather than looking at it from a point of, oh, this is going to be the worst thing ever. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it really has reframed things for me in terms of anxiety and how to look at problems or perceived problems. Mm. I think you're both right. You know, I was going to say coming out of, you know, your quarantine and facing a whole new world, you know, like I think, <laughs> I think again, I think our, our society is so fear-based and I think a lot of times we measure like for you guys, because you were in lockdown much later than we were, but it, it's the same thing here, right? Like I think people measure these challenges in terms of what they lost, like, like the literal, like hopefully not lives, but let's just say like wages or job opportunities or auditions, if we're talking about actors or, job bookings or you know the wedding that was supposed to happen last year or whatever it is but 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 the story isn't written yet and coming into sort of post-covid i think there are all these amazing things that start to reveal themselves right like oh you maybe maybe losing your job was the best thing because all of a sudden now you're doing the very thing that you've always wanted to do but were too scared to do it or you finally got that divorce if that was something that had been scaring you. <laughs> you know, you know, I talked to a friend yesterday who she's been married for, I don't know, 30 years and she finally got a divorce this <laughs> past year. And I think it's I, I I think it's just we're so quick to react to the negative without seeing that it's again, it's I think it's all connected, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, things are really hard, and then you get through through them, and then you're like, oh, actually, 
look at all the benefits that came from that. Mm. Well, I think they so, said a lot about the pandemic accelerating everything. It mm. was like everything happened in the pandemic over 18 months that should have happened, that could have happened in 10 years. It just accelerated mm. everything for everyone. And we were like, oh, well, that was going to happen anyway. So we got it done. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, it's mm. kind of the same idea. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Interesting. It's the end. Um, Are you guys tired of talking about COVID? I'm sure everybody's talking tired of talking about COVID. <laughs> um, but I think it's interesting. I think right? it's so interesting. interesting. Actually, That's I was on a um, Sydney Film Festival just launched their program this week and they were saying that the um, director of SFF was saying that the when he was vetting the films, um, a lot of them just, even though they were filmed during a lockdown period, they ignored the pandemic altogether and I find that so interesting right because throughout history films notoriously commentate on societal issues in life and you know and the fact that filmmakers are just just ignoring that even though it's a universal it's one of the only real universal things that we can all connect on Um, so I found that really interesting and I'm going to be really interested to go and see you know these films that some of them who, which did make reference of the pandemic and had people wearing masks and stuff and others that just completely ignored it. <laughs> well, you guys, you know what? I, like, I just wrote down, you know, I think maybe an idea that comes to me when you say that's very, I find that really fascinating as well, is like, it could be like, in not all cases, but a sort of subtle form of denialism. Because I think, you know, when you, you just were talking about like, yes, art is reflecting where we are and where we've been and what we've gone through. Like if you look at the bubonic, the Renaissance was a reaction to the bubonic plague, right? Mm. Like art and stories were told through that time. And so I think it speaks a little bit to our modern culture where I think, you know, people think COVID wasn't supposed to happen (laughs) because our, you know what I mean? Because our life is so engineered based on, we can get anything we want at any time. We can go get our Starbucks or our flat white, you know, we can get whatever, like we can Google it. We can go to Amazon. We can, I think this sort of like Instagrammable culture has made us think that we're not prone to life on a rogue planet. And we forget that, okay, wow, viruses are still a real thing and a plague, a modern plague can still happen, right? And mm. so I think I think we sometimes think that we're above it and that's mm-hmm. a dangerous, I mean, that's also kind of speaks to the the, the things we are still facing, right? Like, like we, we think that we're above these challenges of nature and, you know, I Climate think- Climate change. We can't, mm, yeah. yeah, we can't separate ourselves from nature. We are nature, right? So- so I love that you mentioned that. I think that that's, you know, if we wanted to do a deeper dive on COVID, I know we'll change the subject. The listeners are probably like, please, how do I get an agent? But, but I, do, I do think it's interesting because I think what, and you, you guys may know personally, friends, or you've read things about, you know, I think COVID has brought up a lot of, you know, people who have out and out denied COVID or like a lot of the vaccine controversy. I think like, yeah. for me, I see that when, tumultuous things occur and it changes somebody's worldview they realize like the belief system that they've been operating through life has completely been turned upside down and so they have to immediately and i'm not judging it because i get it life can be really scary but when something like covid occurs like their their narrative is so 
thrown into question. The belief system is so thrown into question that they have to come up with an alternative theory about something mm. because that feels safer. Yeah. And I think that those are really interesting stories to write about. Mm. You know, I actually just written a, uh, a story about QAnon and about like, uh, you know, conspiracy theories, not necessarily based on what I just said, but I find it fascinating about, you know, when things are so uncertain, how triggering that can be for people. Mm. Mm. Uncertainty yeah. is probably one of the biggest triggers for everyone, I reckon, that the unknown. Oh, yeah. So, And this has yeah. been the biggest unknown for the longest period of time that mm. in our time. Anyway, well, I think yeah. it's important, you know, I mm. think the loss of life, obviously, you know, notwithstanding, it's been a, a terrible toll. But like, I do think the existential questions that are put into play are really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> are we ready to go have a All margarita? Right. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you not think it was going to get this deep in well, the first five <laughs> And I'm glad it did. We're wrapping up now. <laughs> we can go. Let's go really superficial now. Let's do it. Well. The, where, well, where we start with all podcasts is not really with COVID. It's more about you. So oh tell okay. us about you. How did you get here? Well, I mean, question. I just, I so appreciate you guys having me on because we, we talked a few times and then met the last time I was there and I, I loved our, our visit and it means a lot that you wanted to spend some of your time with me. And, and, you know, like I get really excited talking to people just about art and creativity and philosophy because I like, just like we just were, because that's what I think being a creator and a storyteller is. And so, I mean, basically I think that's how I got started. I really felt like to explore a non-reductive way of looking at acting, let's say, or a philosophy or a theory about acting couldn't just be um, that. I think it's quite simple, really teaching acting. Acting is quite simple. I think we make it so difficult, right? I think it also includes all these things that we're talking about because what does it mean to be a human is quite complex, right? But so I just really was really passionate about exploring the, I don't know, just all these different complexities, but explaining it in a really simple way. And I didn't feel like acting trainer, training had been uh, maybe re-examined, modern acting training in, in, in a long time. And so 25, you said 24 years, next year is going to be my 25th year. <gasps> wow. wow. Congratulations. Huge. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of crazy. I started with six students in my, my living room in my apartment at the time. Wow. That's I know, crazy. So I just had a real passion to like explore what is this that we're doing and what is the purpose of this? And, uh, you know, and it has become what it has become. And also really celebrating that each person, each actor as themselves is enough. I think that's the journey we're on on the planet is to accept ourselves as we are flaws and all imperfections and all fears and all again, using all that stuff to like in the center of who we are to tell our stories through life and that we don't have to be someone else. And so that's what the work has been about. It's yeah. really powerful, you know? Yeah. Interesting. I've read a few of your books and I find your method of teaching acting and I'm a non-actor, by the way, I was a ballet dancer before. I got into production um, and I find your way of explaining 
everything. It's just very common sense driven and not, it, it, there's no form of elitism in it. It's very much, you know, it's really grounding and very, yeah, it, as you said, it's just, it, it's not, it, it's not complex. It doesn't seem complex. It's a, there was a thing I heard you say, I can't remember if I heard it in your book or in the podcast, where you talk about self-study, not scene study. Mm. Mm, yeah. It, and it, that reflects so much yeah, on what you just right. talked about in how much you want it to be a career. It's all about reflection on yourself and how that becomes part of who you are as an actor and a person. And Yeah, well, I think you guys again said it, right? Like art is a reflection of what we're all experiencing, right? From the, the, the personal is the universal and the universal is personal, right? And I think like not diminishing that. I think sometimes people forget that they're enough and that their story like our our what we think are our mundane stories like oh you know the life that i've lived is so boring or it isn't that exotic or exciting or dramatic but like it is just by being on this planet right and and i think i think that's another way of saying what i teach which is our lives are so inherently dramatic just by being pitched into this existence. You don't have to overcomplicate what's already freaking dramatic. Just tell the story simply from your point of view, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to, wearing one hat is enough. You don't have to put another hat on top. I, I say that quote as well. Like two hats is too many, but like yeah. actors sometimes do that. Like trying to add more things on top of themselves is, is redundant. So, and I think, yeah, I think it becomes any kind of great uh, process or exploration, you are figuring yourself out, right? Um, so yeah, I think like, you know, my books, I think really, I think I've had a lot of people who aren't actors have really reached out and are like, oh my God, I really appreciate your books because they apply to all courses of life. And mm. I think that that then speaks to how acting is universal and, and it's all the same, right? Ballet dancer, uh, sports athlete, like teacher. I think it, I think it's all the same, really. At the end of the day, mm. did it take you? How long did it take you? So you've been going for twenty five years, and I'm, I'm sure it changes a lot over the twenty five years. But did it take you a while to really nail how to communicate to actors in the way that you do now? That every it resonates so much with actors. It, it's like they you, they talk to you or do one of your workshops and everything changes for them as an actor, but how long did it take you to really nail that communication with them? Great question. I think, you know, at one level, the core of what I'm teaching has remained the same in terms of like the, the scientific or the, the, you know, the principles of life, I think are that govern our day-to-day -day lives are also like acting sits within this subset of life itself, right? So the same principles apply, right? Which is to me, it's all listening, it's being present, it's working moment to moment because right now this is unfolding moment to moment. You're listening to me. I'm listening to you. And then we're talking. That's really all acting is. Right. And so not overcomplicating that, but also in, in situations written by a writer, that's also hard. It's also hard to connect to your, your big, deep, provocative, dangerous feelings. If a scene is calling for those things to be expressed, but I don't, I think that the baseline it's just like anything, right? Like if you get into a fight with your partner and like your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, you know, sometimes my boyfriend loves to fight. I, weirdly enough, I don't like to fight. So I have a tendency, <laughs> although he's taught me to fight well, but, but, but so I, my tendency used to be to shut down. So what's my, well, my point about this is so in life, that's analogous to our acting, right? So if you're doing a scene that is asking 
the requirement of the storytelling is to evoke big demonstrative feeling. And if your tendency in your own life is to shut down, withdrawal, disconnect, you know, just completely, I'm trying to think of another word for what I'm saying, but you get what I'm saying, completely just go internal. Mm. That's not going to help the, the forward moving momentum of what is required with emotional storytelling. See? So my philosophy about acting has less to do with anything other than getting the person to open up to their own self in the situation. So I don't think that's changed. And I just think, I think what's exciting is 25 years later, those things that I was saying years ago, everybody seems to be talking about it now. So I just feel blessed that I was at the right place at the right mm. time. Thank Jesus. But, you know, <laughs> like everybody now, talk, like you guys are nodding. So you get it. Like, I think people talk about things this way as opposed to something so, I don't know, so heady. Mm. Yeah, there's so much. There's a tendency to um, overthink, overthink it to a point and make it so it becomes selfish in a way actors become selfish about Serious. these are my yeah. words on the yeah. page and this is what i'm here to do these words on a page and then you watch them do a scene and you're like but you fully didn't listen to what the other person said and it just ruined it yeah it's like, just take a step back and listen to your scene partner or the reader or whatever mm. uh, it's so simple or the casting director or the casting director or the reader or the- hey, listen to <laughs> yeah, me or you guys yeah, yeah. Reader. like I, I just changed well, the I line the and you didn't is- listen but what you're saying also speaks to, right? So like if 10 actors come in and read something and they're, they're not listening, they're not there, they're not working off of you and the moment and their own instinct, basically not only is the reading going to be flat, but basically it's all going to be the same because you can't get any, uh, if, if the acting is only happening on the line, it's inert, right? Mm. And so what makes the lines come alive, what makes an actor, quote unquote, come alive is the way they would live it in the situation. You know what I mean? I just had a, a client at our New York studio. Uh, I mean, I think this is apropos. He just Instagrammed me or DM me because he had just done my a workshop at our New York school and he just booked a, a, a great role on the new Sex and the City uh, reboot. Oh, yeah. damn. And it's perfect casting, but he was saying how casting told him that they immediately knew like the first few lines out of his mouth they knew that he had gotten the job. And that's something that I'm, I'm always saying is like, and you guys could probably speak to that more than I can, but like when an actor gives themselves the permission to do it the way they would do it, their essence or who they are matches the lines. And then in your heads, the casting director's heads, they fulfill the idea of what it is that you're looking for, right? So it's not rocket science. It's just, you gotta be brave to show someone this is how I would do it. Mm. Yeah. And then one last point about that, you guys might be like, oh, I love them, but they're not quite right for what we're looking for. But that doesn't mean the actor is not great. It just mm. means they weren't a match for that role. Yeah, yeah. it's actually, that's a great um, segue into this question that I had for, um, for you about actors need for feedback. And I think it's, I listened to oh. you talk about this in something where I think it's fascinating that we get it all the time that agents or actors want feedback on their tapes or their audition. And it's like, it actually doesn't, sometimes it just doesn't matter because Mm. I can tell you you're great and that's going to annoy you more because you didn't get the role, but it's got nothing to do with your ability. It's just not right for this role, but you could be right for something else. And also not being great all the time is not a bad thing. Oh my God. I love that you said Mm. that. That not only 
it, it, not only is it not a bad thing, you guys, it's essential. Yeah. I'm not great all the time. Mm. I make eggs. A lot of times I break my eggs on the floor. They just fall on the floor. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like crazy things happen. Like yeah. you're not, we're not robots. And again, I think this business and the audition process sometimes actors are allowed to be human. Right. Mm. But, but so that's one thing. And, and I also think like when I, when I always encourage the actor, I agree. Like, I think it's also subjective. So Jennifer Lawrence could come into your office before she was Jennifer Lawrence and you could, you know, maybe be like, oh, I don't see it. And then she can go into another office and then they cast her in, you know, whatever. And then she becomes Jennifer Lawrence. Right. It's so subjective. Mm. And I think if an actor is getting callbacks and going to producer sessions, that's that's that feedback right there is all you need. Don't change anything like just keep going. It's just numbers. I do think feedback can only be helpful when people are honest, like, dude, you got to get into a class or this is not, this is not good. Mm. You know what I mean? Because there's something constructive there. Yeah, that's right. Because, mm. but, but, but I think the actor also has to know kind of where they are in their own work. Right. I think I get it. Like we all can be desperate and, and there's no harm about that either. And sometimes we want to hear feedback about something because it helps make our desperateness less desperate when we hear if you guys call them or call the agent it was like yeah they, they did really great and they, they i wouldn't have done anything different they just we went with somebody who you know spoke another language or something mm. sometimes actors need to hear that because you know i think we are in the business of the job booking equals oh you like Good. me yeah yes. oh, yeah validation you know it's yeah. a validation mm. It's yeah. hard. It's hard to extract that part from what we do. Mm. Interesting. But you have to become impervious to it because yeah. everybody's road is different. But it's yeah. also interesting that acting is one of those careers where they get or they feel that they can get feedback. Like I don't feel like anyone's validating me on my job and I don't go searching for it, you know? Like we don't, we might get accolades yeah. and stuff, but it's not like we go and go to our clients afterwards and be like, what do you think? Like, true. How did we do? You do? Think I should keep true. doing this as a job, or like, you know, I just think it's really interesting. Most people don't get that, yeah, thing. But actors, it's such a big part of their day to day. Anyway, I think it's a great point. I think it's important for actors to remember you have to kind of be not mm, cocky isn't the right word. I think a lot of the actors that I've taught that who have broken through have come to this sort of come to Jesus moment where they're like, fuck it. And I do teach a lot about you got to be in the art of the fuck mm. it, like the art and science of the fuck it, where they don't really care. Like with all due respect, it's not like they wouldn't go into your office and be respectful toward you, mm. but they don't really, they don't need the job or need you to like them in mm. order for them to feel good about themselves. And yeah. that is the key. It's so freeing yeah. because you start to see like, well, who knows? Nobody knows is what I always like to say, mm. right? And so every every actor has to know at least as much as somebody else. Totally. So I think we just don't trust that, right? It's the self-assurance. Scary to trust yeah. that. Yeah. And I think yeah. uh, Brian Cranston once said something that was just brilliant, that he was like, once you, f you shift your framing of an audition, where I'm coming in to give you something, not to get something from you. Mm. I'm not here you. because yeah. you're going to give me a job. I'm here because I'm going to give you the best fucking person for yeah. this role. Yeah, I, was yeah like, I love that quote. I remember yeah. him saying that. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, we can tell when an actor comes in and has the, the fuck it attitude. Yeah. It's not it's a sexy. negative thing. I don't think it's negative. I think it's just a, 
it's a disconnection from the pressure. The pressure, yeah. And it's not a mentality of ah, uh, I'm attached to this role, and I and I really I need this role, and I need you to like me. And it's an it's it's a total atta- detachment from that. Um, and it allows them to, yeah, like be more vulnerable in that moment because, as you said, nothing, it's not hinging on booking the job, right. you know. I was going to say, like I just said, it's sexy and I don't mean necessarily like, like, ooh, like, oh, that person is so hot. <laughs> I mean sexy in terms of like we are excited about people that evoke a response in us, right? Like that's that's what it's all about, good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I think when you see somebody come in and they do it their way, there's something exciting about that energy, that courage, vulnerability, uh, the, like just kind of the ballsiness of it. Yeah. And, and you know, talent, talent is sexy. Mm-hmm. To me it is because mm-hmm. then as the director or for you guys, the cast members, you see, oh, they're going to take an adjustment or where they can go with something. And I think that's also part of the essence of a person that, you know, we, we underestimate. Right. Mm. But, but and I, I mean, that, you probably have it in the studio as well as us, but like those kind of experiences we would have so much more fun with. Yep. And, oh God, that and too. It's, it's fun. Unconscious fun as well, because you just realize that oh, that person's auditioned, they'd walked out and you're like, fuck, that was good. Yeah. What a great time. And it's not, whereas the, the, on the other hand, when someone leaves and they've overthought it, you can almost be like, oh, it's so frustrating because could have had more fun, could have. Yeah. Whereas mm. it's underestimated how much fun you have with someone who's got the fuck it mentality. Yeah. Well, I love you guys are, I mean, uh, this is why I love you guys because fun is also a part of the science. It is a science of also what I teach, right? Like I think or what all of our schools are about because first of all, it's so fun what we do. And if you lose sight of the fun, yeah, it, 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 I mean, we are our most creative when we are in that kind of space, right? And, and nobody, I also think like, first of all, you get more creative, you take more risks, you're more intuitional, like the feedback loop you're creating with other people in the room is super positive where you're like, I want to work with that person on set. They seem fun, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I had another point about that, but it's gone. But, but, but I think that that's important to remember that it's not, my Jesus, it's just not so serious. Nobody mm. wants to hang out with somebody so serious. Like, <laughs> my God. You know what I mean? That's everything else in life is serious. So you can't yeah. make it. Yeah. I mean, that's part of our philosophy at Chicken and Chips is being, is we do everything through the fun lens. Well, I was going to say, when we first started and we were trying to come up with like our core values, it's always been we would just write down Fun. We're fun. Um, That's it. It seems so basic. (laughs) But it's hung on for eight years where we're just like, fun. (laughs) Well, that works for you guys. I don't think. But you see, you guys, I think people, I I have a chapter about this in my new book. I think people, um, what's the word? I think we denigrate fun as not professional not being serious, Mm. not I've gone to drama school, that it's not worthy. But that's when Mm. we watch kids play, they're not attaching value to fun. They're just having fun. When my niece is 13, she's going to be 13. When she does really crazy, silly things, she just is like, we're just laughing so hard. Like, Mm. why, as we become adults, do we become so precious about stuff? Yeah. So I think it's a great reminder, right? Like you got to, fun is a, a real tangible thing we can pick up on. Yep. Huge. Ugh. I love being fun. <laughs> I love being fun. 
Well, also, like, if, are you guys single? Like, you want to have fun with the people that we are with yeah, in life, right? Absolutely. Like, oh, my God, nobody wants a Debbie Downer boyfriend or girlfriend, but right? you pick well, your people well. based on that, right? Like, yeah. that's how you end up with yeah. your, your gang and your people because you yeah. have fun with them. So why wouldn't you do that in your everyday work and bring it to work with you? Yeah. I think this is going to be an amazing podcast for your listeners. <laughs> yeah. these are, no, these are really important points. <laughs> Just reinforcing really- our fun philosophy. <laughs> it's simple, guys. Just have fun. It is. Though. Well, it is if you think about it in a non-complex way. Yeah. And like you were saying before, you know, it's it doesn't it really have to be overthought. Is. Yeah. Like fun is also hard for people because Mm. fun can make for one person, fun might be uh, trigger their vulnerability, right? Like it it can bring up different things for them. Uh, For another person, fun, they may not have been allowed to have fun as a child. And so like it's, 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 I think these principles are actually to unravel them is quite complex. And Mm. that to me is where the real work is not sitting around talking about so much book work, but is that real practical experiential work? Like, why aren't you having more fun? Why is that so scary? Why, it's great that that makes you vulnerable. And why, right? Like, those are the things that we do at our schools. Mm. As opposed to what's this character's super arc motivation, backflip, yeah. historical understanding. I mean, I'm making fun of all that stuff. And, and I think it's fine for people to plot all that out. But at the end, you can't play any of that. No. Right? It's not playable. You can yeah. know it, I say, and then throw it. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask you about backstory because we do have a lot of actors, even directors actually, directors coming to us saying, you know, here's the here's the backstory of this character and it's pages and pages and pages of backstory. And it's like this is not useful though because mm. it's not they shouldn't need that. All that they need is written in the in the script. But don't you want to see that person's interpretation of this character? Yeah. Versus you making a Building framework for, for them. them to get into and be stale, like. Well, I think you guys are hitting on another great thing, which is here's the thing. All of it is great in terms of because every actor or director may come to the creative process in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, but, but my thing about all that is you can't, you can know it to throw it. You can know it to allow your imagination to trigger your instincts, creativity, your play, your own interpretation, but you can't show it. You guys, you guys are both right now, your backstory of what you have both lived through together as business partners, but also individually with your lives. Look, I'm going to start getting emotional because it it is really moving to me. We can't play our backstory in life, (laughs) but my backstory of who I am and what I, Tony, have lived through is, is informing everything that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But it, I'm not I'm not showing you right now that I was bullied all the time for being a <laughs> queer child. I'm not, you know what I mean? It's not like that. Yeah. Mm. And so I think I think again that's a little reductive. Mm. And and so I think so I think that that's the thing is like getting people I think that that people hold on to that because it's easier to try to show an idea mm. of a backstory because then they have more control than to really let go and yeah well i think that's know, part of the thing they want to be told what to do and what to show uh, yeah, versus yeah. Mm. coming up with it themselves uniquely uh-huh, well, that, that's what actually we want to see is mm. you being this role not 
the same thing over and over. So they want to be told. Yeah. I also, Comfort. there was a, a, an actress, uh, I, I'm going to... I'm going to like butcher her name. So I, I, I need to find it. And she's on Broadway. Well, Broadway's reopening out. Um, and I remember reading this article and she's, she's super young. She's like 23 or something. And I was like, Oh my God, this girl is genius for being so young. I'll try to find her name maybe through the podcast. But she says that when she was talking about like, kind of like character history and a character backstory and like, she, she basically says something like, well, how much would we really know about our characters anyway? Because how much do we really know about ourselves? And she's really right. Sure. And I thought it was so brilliant for such a young performer to already get it. Like, I'm learning about myself all the time, right? Mm, yeah. And I think like, and even the things that I think I know about myself, I'm not playing. So I, I just think it's important to not try to out-clever mm. the experience that the actor is supposed to be in, not showing me what they know. Mm. It's. I think it's funny because I've recently, I think I've read some recently, but it's funny when you get like the backstory of the character, but it goes so far back that it's like their reflection of character is based on the hardships that their parents went through. Like, this character's dad worked hard in the war yeah. and in the blah, and then the grandfather came from here, and it's like, that doesn't, like, I literally, what my dad did as a hard worker does not, I can't play, like you say, I can't play that in my day-to-day -day life. You it. don't know, by the way, Al acts that my dad worked hard and he came from a British upbringing. Like, you don't know <laughs> that because I do it right. in my day. So, like, the actors can't read that and do anything with it. It's so funny. Mm. Um, so let's talk auditions. Do you have any sort of practical tips for actors in preparing for auditions? And I know we talked a little bit earlier about the fuck it mentality, um, which helps. So do you have any other tips or tricks to build on that? Yeah, I mean, I think all these things are really connected, right? Like I think, you know, what I advocate, whatever an actor's process is that works for them, stick to that in terms of like, you know, if they have to learn the lines, if they're trying to drill those lines, however they do that, whatever they have to do to like gather the information so that they can obviously know the show, know if it's comedy or drama. I mean, these to me are almost all obvious things. So I don't have to spend time, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of the people who are listening to this have acting experience, right? Yeah. So like, I think, I think where actors err, and this is maybe less in the preparation and more in the moment, right? Of like, well, there's two things. One is when you read a scene, I'm always, I always think, at least especially the way that we train actors, but I think this could be anybody. Your first take on something is to me the closest take to the divine. It's the closest take to the source. It's the closest take to your way than any other person's way. Now, it doesn't mean it's more right than any other person's. It just means it's your way. Mm -hmm. I've never said this before, so I'm going to keep going with this. I love it. Love it. So, I think the thing is, is you have to track that. So when you're reading it with your friend or your spouse or whatever, and you're, or just to yourself, right? And you're mapping it out based on that's how I would do it. And that's how I hear it. I think you have to kind of always, that's the sort of, I think that's what you're always going to keep coming back to. Mm. And then, and then you try it many different ways. I think the thing is, is never getting locked into one way, just getting out of your head and trying it. Like I've been, I was teaching, um, uh, uh, like an on via zoom, I was doing like a, a, a self-taping class. Right. And reminding them like before they put down the tape that they're going to send to, let's say your office, 
like doing a tape over and over and over again, the same way is not going to, it's no different from take one to take 20. That's insane. You guys are not even going to track somebody's eyebrow or their mouth or nobody's, or if they make a mistake on a word, nobody cares about that stuff. So I always advocate if you're going to, if you're going to run yourself into the ground, then you better like do a number of different run-ups, like do one as an improv, do one as a gibberish, do one like doing a handstand, literally do one where you're playing basketball or you're like, house is on fire, whatever you have to do to take it out of context and get out of your head. And then you throw it all away and play it straight. And you might find like it's your impulses are firing in a different way. You're not stuck on the way it's been sounding. Right. Mm. But I think that the point, I just kind of went off on a tangential there, but like my, I think my point about trusting your way is that then once you've memorized the lines and then you go into the office I think sometimes actors feel like they every single moment has to be fresh and alive and new and it doesn't it's not going to be like that all the time and so you have to trust that your original impulses that were stimulated the first time you read it are also going to be there that you the casting directors are going to be picking up on that whether or not the actor is always feeling it you have to trust that their own essence because of the way they're doing it is shining through but trust is a hard thing it's so hard to trust right mm -hmm. so especially that's yourself. My big, yeah yeah and i think something that i said so does that all make sense mm -hmm. yes yeah oh i gosh. think it's like it's like you we said it earlier like nobody wants you to go in and say the lines you think they're how they're supposed to be said oh my mm. god it's like just <sighs> everybody would be the same, you know, and mm -hmm. that like robs you guys of the joy of like, I don't know how you guys do it, to be honest, to be casting directors is so hard because you see people come in and you're like, oh my God, can somebody please just like excite me for a minute? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It sometimes yeah. is really difficult when yeah. you see, yes. well, back in the day when we would see a hundred people a day and come out of the studio and just stare at a wall at the end of the day and drink a bottle of wine and be like, oh my God. Um, yeah, there's gotta be somebody out there. Yeah. Right? But you but nailed just, it before when oh, you said, sorry, ahead, I just wanted to touch on what you said before in terms of um, not, not knowing the lines, uh, you know, not being word perfect with the lines. I think so many actors come in and there's so many times we've had to do, you know, numerous exercises to be like, it do, the, what's, the words on the page don't actually matter. It, it doesn't matter. Um, it's about a character. It's about the character and it's about, you know, your yeah, you're bringing your unique approach to that character. You know what happens in the scene. Mm. So it shouldn't, you shouldn't need, to, we don't get word perfect in, in real life, right? That's right. Oh, gosh, you guys, it's so hard for the actor to break that myth yes. because they constantly hear casting directors or, or rather what they interpret as casting directors saying got to be off book or it's got to be perfect or they hear their reps say that or maybe you guys don't say that but but mm. I think that's a maybe that's just an urban myth that that we've picked up or that might be the perfection principle that actors keep mm. drilling like oh my god and yeah sometimes when they mess up a line they're so in their heads and I'm like nobody even notices mm. but I you think I mean? that like when you said what you're saying about off book is it's how they interpret that it's like I don't yeah. want to I don't want you to come in and have to hold the page because that's right. distracting, but I'd rather you just know what happens in the scene and throw the piece of paper down. But I don't care whether the words are right. It's how they mm. interpret that off book thing. Like off book, just don't hold the script in front of your head. That's all. Yeah. yeah. I think Otherwise, it's also a bit of an old school approach too with mm. um, casting directors maybe 
um, in terms of being off book and word perfect and, you know, actors also wanting to be respectful to the writer. But I think as as an audition, um, this is the first time the character has come alive off the page. Mm. So we, Al and I will read a script. This is the first time maybe the director has seen it come alive mm. off the page. So, you know, to be hung up on on words and not bringing your own version of it into the studio is really detrimental because, yeah, everyone ends up doing it exactly the and same way. And sometimes we read scripts for the first time and we're like, oh, they'll have to, like, this is awkward. It's awkwardly written until you see someone mm. do it and then you're like, then they'll tweak it. So there's no point sticking to these words that the director doesn't even know whether they quite work yet until actors read it out loud. Well, I, I think what you said too, like the highest form of respect, I think you're right. Like actors are like, oh my God, I want to respect the writer. The highest form of respect is to enliven the text, is to bring that mm. text alive in the way, like I'm a writer. And so when I hear people say something in the way that maybe my imagination thought of it or even beyond that that is so exciting like it doesn't matter if words are inverted it's it's the essence that's captured and then you're like eureka yeah this is gonna be great you know what i mm. mean it's really again i think it's i, I just want to make one other point because i think all these things come down to something that i'm big on about permission and a lot of times when i i, I this was in a class that this came to me this way. And I think a lot of times actors hear the word choices, right? Like make strong choices, make strong choices. Bold choices. Um, yeah, bold <laughs> choices. Do that again, but can you make a stronger choice? And then actors are like, oh, who, what does that mean? <laughs> right? And it is kind of like, it's just a, like a buzzword, like a lot of these words, I think, right? But I had something that came to me in a class where I was like, okay, what 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 is really meant is what they're really asking me, they see a casting director isn't necessarily a director or a writer or an acting teacher. So the words are maybe correct. They see it as a choice, but, but they don't necessarily understand the inner workings of how to make a choice, quote unquote, bold. But what I think they're really trying to say or see is they're, they're picking up on an actor holding themselves back. Yeah. And what they really are trying to say is give yourself freaking permission to go there. Mm -hmm. And when the actor goes there, then that it results in a quote unquote bold oh, choice. <laughs> Bam. I'm so passionate about that because mm. I say it all the time in teaching. I was like, do it, do it. What are you waiting? Go for it. You, you guys probably don't say that in a, you just probably sit back right sometimes, but like you're wanting the actor to freaking do the thing that you see mm. or you think you see. And mm. that's the other thing. We don't have to know how it's going to look. Mm. We just need the actor to follow their impulse and, that then makes, that's when I watch movies or something and then people are like, oh my God, I love, like a reviewer is like, oh my God. And then in that moment, she made such a choice that it was like Oscar worthy. I was like, honey child, she just did what she wanted to do, mm. which, which is bold and badass and hard. But then that reads as something so, I hate this word because it's such an acting word, human behavior. Mm. I mean, yes. I mean, it, but it's it's an it's a person allowing themselves to be who they are, mm. right? Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important that actors are constantly 
practicing and doing things like learning your workshops or exercising this craft because we don't like you say we can't sit there and spend the time with them to get them there we just don't have Mm. that capacity we do our best within the time we've got with them and when we can see it it's like go 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 but we can only do so many takes before we have to move on to the next person and we are very generous with our studio time yeah we are the most generous i'd say and it's, it's why actors can't afford to just go to auditions. They should be workshopping and working with their friends and other actors and doing classes so that they can be pushed by someone. Mm-hmm. I concur. Mm. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, listen, I do. I see our work really works. You know what I mean? Like so many people are, yeah. are really working. So it is exciting. And I see these things that I'm talking about really start to, to take hold. So it's a real thing, mm. you know. Well, also, just a point on that, actually, is that we can always tell if someone's done your workshop. Um, so when someone comes in, they leave. I always jump on. I'm like, they've done Anthony's workshop. And I jump on the showcast and I'm like, yep. You see? Oh, yeah, you can amazing. so tell. Because it's the it's often the actors that do have the fuck it mentality. And they're, um, they're just very – and they feel – they've got a relaxed, really easy energy when they walk in the room. They're not – highly strung and, you know, putting so much pressure on themselves. It just seems like, yeah, they, they enjoy, they, it. They enjoy the actual audition process. And, you know, I think a lot of actors do um, find the audition process really harrowing and annoying mm-hmm. and scary and, you know, when really that is just an opportunity to act and, mm. you know, it's a free it's a free acting class, Shabana. We we did another podcast right. with Shabana and she said it's a it's a free acting class. That's right. So, you know. You're right. That's a great, great reminder for people. Mm. It's a great opportunity. That's your two minutes to play. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's such a topic for actors. And I oh think that are they not the most rejected, well, if we say rejected um, profession, you know, like Every audition is a job interview and, yeah, just the rejection levels are really high. Mm. So how does one deal with that? Yeah, you know, I think that's tough, right? Because I can say all the platitudes that we've heard and I don't, I wish there were an easier way, but I think it's just, you have to keep going. It's just not personal. Mm-hmm. Even I, and I also think there are many second chances. There's like 100, 200, 300 second chances, right? In other words, like when I first started out, I don't think I was the, the best actor when I first started. And then I learned how to train kind of this way, uh, you know, before I started teaching my teacher that was very influential on my work. Once I started to really learn how to listen and come to the work as myself, I started to work a lot. And, you know, but, but, but when I look back, when I started, I was like, egads, I probably was like a big stinker in the room, but that's okay. Right. Like, that's okay. That's also how we learn. Mm. But I think we, again, I think it's only gotten worse because of the, the, the business, how the business has changed and also social media and this curating of perfection and also comparing ourselves to the bullshit of like everybody else's life, which is not real, you know, but I think, I think, I think the more rejections you get, I think another way of thinking about it is you're in the game. So it's a very, if you can change the paradigm around it, it means you're getting closer. It means you're staying active. If you're not getting any rejections, that means you're not doing anything to further yourself, putting yourself out there, mm, you yep. know? And, and, and I think everybody, I think that the last thing I'll say is like, I think it's important for actors like maybe to come and intern in your casting office or any other casting office or where they can see 
like, oh gosh, uh, it's really not personal, right? Like, and they start to demystify what goes on in the room because it's mm -hmm. not rocket science. Like 10 actors go in the room and one of them just happens to be the most right for it. And that person also happens to have just crushed it in there. And that's why they got the job, right? Mm -hmm. And the and five other ones may have been really great. They just didn't get it because they just, just for some weird reason, weren't quite as right as that other person. And then maybe three or four other ones aren't even ready yet. They need to be in class or they need to, right? And then maybe one of them, so that's that's nine. And maybe the other one just falls in the cracks because sometimes there's just somebody who does, right? Yeah. It's really not rocket science. Mm. It also takes you know, the I, pressure off when yeah, they see, when they see yeah. behind the scenes because they realize that's right. that they're, they're, it's not as big of a thing. Their 10 minutes in the room isn't as big as they've made their 10 minutes. Mm. To the oh, grand that's so true. Yeah. yeah, that's a great reminder. Yeah. Mm. That, that, that you're also, you guys are tracking so many things as a casting yeah. director is like actors think it's all about dum, 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 just them in that moment. Mm, and yeah. it is, but it isn't, yeah. you know what uh, I mean? Because you have this whole thing called uh, a commercial or a movie or a TV series. Like it's, it's so many moving parts mm. and yeah. I mean, actually quite often we use our commercial auditions as a bit of a um, testing ground to see, A, to see new actors that, you know, we might not have met yet and we want to give a go. And, you know, that's where if actors who are who are sort of building their credits and just starting out and, you know, they book, start to book commercials, then it's like, okay, we can now sort of start moving them into film and TV land. So it's a, it's a bit of a, yeah, commercials allow us to play as casting directors as well in terms of who we get in and be a bit more... Um, you know, because we can we can see the volume of people, mm. and then yeah. it's like, oh, we saw that that person for, a, you know, I don't know, a toothpaste toothpaste brand, and suddenly they're auditioning for the lead in the next film that we have because of that audition, mm. you know. So I also think it speaks to actors shouldn't worry as much about rejections and just keep getting out there, right? So mm. they come in for your commercial casting, and then you guys love them for um, a movie that you're doing like later that week. I mean. Don't worry so much about it's I always say you're not I didn't say this somebody else did but I, I love this saying of like you're not um, you're not auditioning for a job you're auditioning for your career so yeah. the more that people can see you and see that you're doing solid work eventually they're gonna get it it mm. just takes time I've had people I don't know what the, the the Aussie equivalent would be but like I know you guys have these shows like CSI mm. or NCIS mm -hmm. right like these procedural shows I've had students who've gone into those casting offices 18, 19, 20 times before they booked over five, six, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. So you just, and then you're like, well, I've never booked, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. You just, you keep being brought back. Mm. I, I think that's the big thing. You just keep, there's no rocket science to it. You just no. keep going. Yeah. Just keep yeah. going, kids. Just and it's just going. a matter of time, you know? Yeah. So you just really have to is. keep going because it is really yeah. just a matter of time. Mm. Yeah, it really is. You can't give up. I think the thing is, is, you know, it's the saying, like, you know, the miracle occurred five minutes after you stopped, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's there waiting. You just cannot stop. Yeah. So. So good. Oh, I love that. <laughs> All right. And I think if you, I was going to just say, if, it, if you can stop, then maybe this business isn't right for you. You know what I mean? Like, I think mm. there's no shame in that either. Like. Yeah. Some people want to have other things in life and maybe waiting to have a house or getting married or whatever is more important 
than than the you know yeah. all the rejections. I think you have to weigh it all out. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. We need to go into rapid fire. Yeah. We need okay, to do some rapid, rapid fire, fire questions. Okay, I love it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rapid fire round. So just answering with either a word or a short sentence. Oh God. Okay. Okay. Your most irrational fear. Uh, sharks. Good. Uh, what do you have the least amount of filter about? Acting. What's your walk-on song? Oh, my God. <laughs> I have survived. That's so lame. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's great. Uh, what's the most surprising thing about you that we may not know? Uh, I have, you know, I, I meditate. I've been meditating for almost 25 years. Wow. How long do you do it for? Like an hour in the morning, an hour at night. Wow. Oh, my well God. Done. I aspire I know. to that. I, it sounds impressive. Believe me, it's, it's not. But it really is. Wow. I was, I'm up to 20 minutes. Anyway, That's I digress. Really that might be all you need. That might be all you need. I need an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it is all very personal. Yeah. Yeah. I digress. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, I mean, like just really trusting your journey. Mm-hmm. Trust who you are, trusting your journey. Great. All righty. And who would you cast as yourself in a film about your life? <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good one. I might steal these from my podcast. Yeah, <laughs> do it. Well, I was going to say... Aaron Eckhart because he looks a lot you like are. me. Yes. You are. Like even right now, I'm like you. We're talking to Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> You're exactly. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh my right. god. Okay, well, well, I'll go with that. Accurate. Go. Good casting. Very accurate. Yeah. It, he yeah. can't say no. He'd have to look at a picture of you and be like, "Well, obvs, we're long lost brothers." Well, the, the joke would be, I should be cast in Eric Eckhart's life because his life seems to be so much more exciting and glamorous than mine. But like, but yes. I don't wow. know anything about you know, it, so you're way more excited. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, funny anecdotal story about uh, Aaron Eckhart. I was at, a student of mine one time was at the Rite Aid at the CVS, and Aaron Eckhart was there. And she's like, oh, my God, Tony, Aaron Eckhart is there. I'm going to call you right back. And then she called me back. And she's like, oh, my God, Tony, I think it's a poor man's Aaron Eckhart. I'll call you back. And then she called me back again. And she's like, oh, my God, Tony. She's like, it's him. And you look more like Aaron Eckhart than Aaron Eckhart <laughs> So there you have it. That's my internet story. So great. Wild. That's so good. All right. Well, thank um, you so much. This has been you guys, so great. So much. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. And we'll put all your, your podcast and your website and everything in the show notes for anyone who would like to go and do some further research mm. on Tony's and study. Stuff. Yes. And do some study, some yes. self study. Self study, not self study. And that will make for great scene study. And thanks, you guys, for having me. It's so great to see your faces. And uh, yeah, we have a school in Sydney. So even though I'm not there, it's a beautiful school with some amazing amazing community and hopefully i'll be back in the new year yeah yes yeah, oh my we'll gosh see. and we'll have to get a margarita yeah we will okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you you guys thanks for having me oh my god how great is tony oh my god so good he is brilliant. Um, 
He's I just love his him. energy. I don't know. I'm going to try it like this. Okay. How good? Great. I can't say anything, but whatever. Um, I know. He's just so lovely. And I feel like he's on the exact same page as us. Like everything, we all believe in the same thing for actors. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting, though, how he says the fuck it mentality because I think, I mean, we, we go through phases of this as us in our role. As a casting director. Or as humans. And as, and as I feel humans. like I constantly have to be reminded to just, you know, think, fuck it. Out. Yeah. Fuck it. You just have to do that thing and then just see if it works out. It was like you were saying the other day. You just have to do it to see if it works out and nothing is forever. Oh, yeah. I said that in an email, didn't I? Yeah. You just got to do it. What no, you know? said that on the phone to me, I think. Oh, look, you were I probably just like, said it in many places. You were just like, I can't nothing's answer, forever. Yeah, I can't <laughs> answer this question until I try it and see what happens. Yes. And if you fuck out, well... Oh, well. And I think that's part of an actor's process, right? Like, go in, try the fuck it mentality mm-hmm. and see what works for you. Exactly. And if it felt wrong in that space, have a rethink. Yeah. Regroup and see what fuck it means for you. It's not the same thing for everyone. Mm. Anyway, we've, what we've taken from this is now we're tattooing <laughs> fuck it on our backs. Yeah, I definitely think that that's going to be my next, um, my next tattoo. tattoo. You'll have to just put it somewhere discreet, you know? You can't. Just in case you ever need to go for another job interview, uh, Steph. I'll d- <laughs> Just in case I get sacked from this one. Um, uh, no, I'm going to put it above my, above breathe. I've got breathe tattooed on my bicep. Oh, yeah. So I just put it above that. Fuck it, breathe. And then ampersand, <laughs> yeah. Fuck it and breathe. Yeah. I think that's good. Breathe and fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how good? Um, yeah, I mean. I think was... every actor is, there's so much to be learned from that episode. If you've not listened to the point that you're hearing this bit. Well. I don't yes. know how you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Why you're here. What are you even doing? Um, no, well, yeah. And also uh, we'll put a link to all of Tony's books because um, oh, yeah. he's got quite a few books and I just found them so – I'm just such yeah. a fan of him. I, yeah. I had to contain myself actually. But I think his first book, which is from years ago, mm. is – At Left like Brain, he, turn, yeah, right. turn Right. And it's like – he needs to re-release that now because yes. that is where everyone's at now, especially what he was saying with, like, the pandemic and how it's challenged everyone's comfort level and mm. uncertainty. is like that's the kind of self-awareness people now need to have now. Absolutely. He's ahead of the time. He was, he was too yes. – it's almost like he was too early. Yes. Hey, people weren't ready to take that step. No. And now everyone's really ready yeah. to – so everyone should read that book. I was, I was listening to it on audiobooks yes, and while I was walking um, – and I want to go back and listen to it and take notes. Yeah. Because he does like a 15-week yes. um, exercises. Take away, yeah. So take away each week and you build on it. Yeah. So it's f- over 15 weeks you do this thing. Yeah. So I, I want to go back and do some of that. Yeah. Um, one of the things was writing down 100 things you're grateful for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then on the flip of that I read uh, – uh, what. I, because I follow a lot of um, positive psychology mm. things on Instagram, but I also – um, there's also some local um, social workers that I follow and they posted the flip side of that is writing 100 things that you fucking hate. Yes. So if you write the 100 things you're grateful for and the 100 things that you fucking hate, then you can start to, like, change the things that you hate and start to move towards the things that you're grateful for and doing yeah. more of those things. Yeah. So it really, like, you know, if you've got 100 things that you fucking hate in your life, then... You know, there's some changes to be made. I, it all depends how detailed you can get. Like, yes. you know? Yeah. You could go high level or real mm. insular. I mean, we got, now we're going into a therapy session. Well, we knew it was going to happen, <laughs> didn't we? It always does. I think this started as a therapy session at the beginning of this episode, and then here we are. Yes. 
anyway, um, anyway we'll put the links to those in the show yeah. notes because they're all very helpful. And the other one is um, book the fucking job, which is just really it had so many. Even for me as a non-actor, yeah. I found really um, profound things in that book that I was like, wow, mm. actors just definitely should read that book. Yes, everyone should read that book. Yes. We love you, Tony, and yep. we'll see him next year. Hopefully. hopefully. 2022. Are we doing that thing that we did in 2020 where we were like, bring on 2021, and no, that actually that ended was, up being fucking no, worse? because that's dangerous, yeah. I'm it didn't not, work out this No, time. I don't think, like, January 1 just can't be a thing. You know, it's just not, yes. it's not a thing. We're just, we're just going to roll in and just. We said that about that. We were like, 2021 is not a, it's like a. When is there a Well, new we year? didn't, but no. a lot of people were like, woo! New year, the new year changes everything. It's like, no, but it didn't. It got But worse. it's still a pandemic, though, guys. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well, here we are talking about the, the pandemic. I know. All right, stop. we're done. Thank Sorry. you. Boring. Bye. Bye. <laughs>